0: We are in Advent, and um, there's a digital Advent guide that I want you guys to go and find right now, just so you guys know where it's at. Um, but if you go on the homepage, if you just go to graceandpeacechurch.org, on the main page there, you'll see there's a button that you can click at the very top that has both the live feed, if somebody's watching on the live feed. And if you guys are ever sick, you're at home, and you want to get in on that, that's available. Um, we want to keep doing that. But then there's also... Um, this Advent guide that we've created, and it has a, um, a description of what Advent is all about, because I'm going to talk about it a little bit today, and you might have just been like, well, I didn't get all that. What, you, what is he doing? And just, you just dig in deeper. And what it does is it gives you the four themes that we're going to go into, hope, peace, joy, love. And then at Christmas Eve, we light the Christ candle, which is the center candle. And these boxes um, were the ones we did last year. This year, there's a bunch in the back that I'm going to have you take on your way out. So like one per household. And um, what we do is we light the candles. And each candle, the four outer candles, represent those four themes that we're going to study. And so today, we're going to study hope, which is the first one. And um, and you can journey through using that PDF. Um, if you want a physical copy, we'll have that next week. Um, but if you want to use the digital version of it, it's wherever you go, right? You can just pull it up. Um, computer on your phone. And it has passages that you'll read each day. So you just look them up. They're not super long. It's super basic. But it has everything to do with the Advent season, Christmas, giving meaning to this season. I know that's kind of a cliche phrase that gets thrown around at this time. But it's something that really begins to, I think, for me personally, it's made... Christmas, a season where we really center around Jesus and it becomes like this more meaningful thing than just a, hey, it's baby Jesus and we give gifts, you know? Um, And so we light the candles as a reminder. And what we do is we give you guys that candle box to light at home every single day. So you can light it at breakfast time or dinner time or every meal or all day long, whatever you want to do. There's the same setup as these candles right there in there. And um, you just for the first week, you're just going to light the hope candle. And every time you grab a meal or you sit down together for dinner, you light that candle and then you read the little passage. And if you want to take it even a step further, which we're going to talk about at the end, is there's questions to wrestle with and things to engage in, okay? Um, So we're trying to, um, I guess, reawaken something that's a tradition that's been in the church for a couple hundred years, maybe more, um, and make it something just meaningful rather than just a rote practice that we do as a church, okay? So there it is, candles, nothing super significant other than it's a beautiful reminder of the light of Christ in our lives, okay? So um, I totally made a mistake and ran all the kids out of here and didn't give them an opportunity to light. Does anybody want to light the candle? Is anybody just like bold enough to come up and light the candle for us? Yes, awesome, thank you. All right. Generally, the kids need some prep with how to light a candle. So thank you for um, for doing that. So pick whichever one of the side candles you want to light there, and, um, and we'll do that. So um, so this is the hope candle, and we're going to talk about hope. We're going to unpack that in our study. Thank you very much. Um, let's give a round of applause. Look at that. Like, it takes some guts to come up here and do that. Um, and so we're going to talk about hope, and um, these themes will hopefully give you a... Uh, a few handles, four handles, to begin to work towards the center candle of who Jesus is and why it's so important that he was born, right? Because a lot of, you know, especially kids are like, why are we celebrating baby Jesus? What does that mean? Or maybe they just do it because that's what we've always done. But then the center candle of Jesus that we light Christmas Eve all together when we have our Christmas Eve service has so much more meaning, right? Because then you start to go, oh, he is the hope of the world. And you start to go, oh, there's peace that comes from, I'm not going to give it all away. We've got to keep going. But, um, so hope, uh, let's dig into it. If you have um, the bulletin, you can break that out, and it has all the passages that I'm going to refer to um, in there, and some notes, and some questions, if you want to dig into that. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the passage for today, and then um, we're going to continue on. Sorry, hold on one second. Um, going through some other passages that kind of circle around kind of the same thought. Um, I need a bigger table now. Um, I'm going to start throwing candles on another place. Um, And uh, I'm going to actually have Tiffany and Andrea come up here in a few minutes, but let me me chat a little about this passage that we're about to read. Um, And uh, this whole whole idea of hope um, can seem probably disconnected, in a time that maybe seems hopeless for some of you. You may have situations in life right now where you're going like, I have no hope. The situation that I'm in, I don't see an end to it. I don't know how this is going to work out. It's challenging. Um, and, it, and it may be different for all of us in different phases of life and things that we're facing. But um, hopefully the definition that we look at here of hope begins to unpack it a little bit more and gives you a little more um, I guess, meaning to who Jesus is and why he brings hope into our lives. Um, It's the season of centering around these truths that Jesus invites us into. And so we're going to read some of these stories. We're going to read some of these passages that um, hopefully aren't too familiar, but begin to really center us around who Jesus is. So we're going to start out. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. And if anything stands out as we read this, I would encourage you to highlight it, to write it down. If you have your notes open on your phone, write it down. Um, If you have questions, write those questions down. Um, I would hope that as we gather and as we study, this would never be just a passive listening where you're like, oh, that's cool, right on. We move along and we just like don't even engage in the things that challenge us. Um, So... As we read through this passage, look at the words that stand out to you, okay? Watch for words that stand out, and I guarantee you the Holy Spirit's trying to say something through that, because that's how powerful Scripture is. So here we go. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. and his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. You can probably see why we why this passage is selected for the beginning of this Advent season. Because of the hope that we find in God, that he recognizes that when you are weary, and I think that's a beautiful thing that I see throughout scripture that sometimes people glance over, is the idea that God acknowledges that things can be difficult, that we can get weary, right? God doesn't just like glance over that and be like, suck it up, let's keep going, right? Like, God recognizes. He sees the challenges. He sees that sometimes the brokenness that we cause on others or others cause on us can wear on us and make us have that weary attitude, that weary place in life. Um, And what I want to do is begin to look at the weariness through the eyes of this analogy because Tiffany and Andrea both ran a marathon recently. And I was impressed because I've I've only done like a partial marathon, like a kid's marathon. I think it was in high school and it was like a mile or like, I don't know, a 50 yard swim and a mile bike or something like that. It was super short. Um, It was a triathlon and, um, but they did a half marathon, which is super super impressive. So I'm gonna invite them to come up and I wanna ask them a few questions about marathon life because, um, oh, hopefully this works. Okay, so my mic's not working, so I'm just gonna pass it back and forth, I guess. Okay, I'll snag this one. Um, So as they come up, uh, the idea of a marathon can be daunting. Just even the concept of a marathon, to me, I'm like, I don't think I could run it. Um, I'm going to steal this mic, and I'm going to give you... Oh, do you guys want to pass it back and forth? Here you go. She's
1: handing it off to me as though I had to do it.
0: There we go. Okay, are we good? Uh, This analogy of a marathon, as I started to think about it, um, I think tied in really good with this idea of hope and... As we begin to ask these questions, because I began to ask them some questions of what it was like after the marathon, and um, discovered some things that I thought were really interesting. So, we're going to throw some questions up here. They already know the questions, and I'm just going to let them fight over which questions they want to answer. Um, <laughs> she's like, no, I don't want to do that. Great. Um, but the marathon that they ran is not just like a flatland marathon. So, like, if you go to Catalina Island, it's all hills, right? Right? And um, as they began to describe the run, I was like, "That sounds like death. Like I don't know how you do that. Like this is insane." And so I thought it'd be fun for you guys to hear a little bit of their response. So, um, at what point in this death march did you guys want to quit? It was like death t- march.
1: First, that picture is wrong because ours was like uphill the whole time. Oh yeah. yeah. And-
0: <laughs> I want to give them a false false perspective of what you guys well, were actually running. For Because we we need it for the podcast. Oh, so sorry. you have to go into there. Um, so at what point in the marathon did you want to quit? What was it like pretty to start early on. out? And then at what point did you want to quit?
1: Go ahead. For me, it was I had measured out and I had thought I had planned really well in my brain what it was gonna be like. And mm-hmm. so I hit I thought, well, you know, thirteen point something miles. That means six and a half up, then I'll stretch get a bunch of food, and then run down, so we hit the six and a half, and there was like two more miles to go up, and I'm like, no, 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 my, and my legs literally at that point felt like they were rocks, like I was just gonna, they were gonna just not be going uphill anymore, I was like, I can't, we can't go up two more miles.
0: Wild, okay, so I cut that question off, I think it was in my notes, and I got to cut it off, but what was the most difficult Part of running this marathon, like what was it that was the most challenging about it?
2: Well, I mean, the nine mile incline was the most challenging part, nine in my <laughs> opinion. Miles um, well, eight point eight, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, it was nine. No, I think that was the most. I think what was the most difficult for me is lack of preparation, because <laughs> um, I've done half marathons, but like on flat ones, like some hills. This was almost straight incline. Worst part was like you'd get to a part where it was started to level off. You're like, okay, finally we've got to the part where it levels off. No, no, you did not. And then you just saw it just like rise up and you're like, how are we going to do that? How are people doing that? So for me, that was the most difficult part. It was the maybe not understanding what the course was. And I think the literature was very misleading. <laughs> um, so I, because I've done half marathons, so I was like, I just need to train for the miles, get the endurance, um, I've done it before. We're like, we've got eight weeks. We totally got this. And then, you know,
1: well, it was just a little different than we what can. I expected. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite part was Tiffany at one point turned in with daggers in her eyes, looked at me, and goes, "This is not a half marathon, Andrea," because <laughs> I talked what to her into it. She goes, "I've oh. done marathons. This isn't even a marathon." Oh my and, uh, So that was that was my favorite part. That actually made me laugh along the way when we wanted to die. Yes, but. Um, The most difficult, I think, for me was fearing failing it, like Um, fearing the whole way leading up to it and then jogging it is, you know, you would see the ambulance going up the mountain to get somebody (laughs) and you're like, oh, Lord, please don't let that be me. And that was like at one point. It was also 85 degrees and just like surprise. We thought it was going to be 60. It's November. And, and I've started to go through hot flashes, so 85 degrees plus hot flashes. My heart at certain points was like, boom, boom. And I'm like, Tiffany, my heart's giving. It's dying. <laughs> so I think it was the fear of failing it, really, of okay. just, like, that we not wouldn't, that we did all this prep, we were all excited, and then not making it to the end.
0: When you talk about ambulance, <laughs> Katie was there just to root them on, and just for fun. She and And uh, she said at some point she, like, saw the ambulance go up, and... They were kind of late in the whole process. I'm kind of throwing you guys under the bus, but there, she's that's like, fine. I, hope I would that's have not preferred for them. a bus I hope to that's just not drag us down. <laughs> the, mountain. It's the same thought they were having. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, what was it like running with somebody else?
2: I would have quit like straight up. I've done half marathons. I'm like, I've done this. I don't need to prove anything. <laughs> it was like this is really hard. <laughs> but it was Andrea's first time. Like, all right, I'll just wait till she says. Like, we can stop now. Yes. Um, and no And she didn't and, yeah. she didn't. and she didn't. But she might have been waiting for me to say it. <laughs> so.
1: No. I was like, well, you're going to do this. are going to do But I think that was, no. I, I think doing it with someone else, it was just, that was the, you had to do it with someone else. You just, it would have been too lonely. If I didn't have Tiffany, I would have had to, like, tag and grab onto someone along the way because I don't think. It's frowned upon. You don't yeah. I, d- I just I needed her as my encouragement to keep going and to guard when there was no bathrooms the whole way. I need someone to guard I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> on, on
0: the trail too much information. <laughs> more than, but, more than you guys wanted. but I mean, but you, have you have to have a up? partner. Um, like would you have given up had someone else been there? Probably not.: had,
2: Well, I think I say I think I would, but I have never given up on a run. That's true. Um, but it was up. it was much more difficult. It was just great to have someone because we did do a thing where it was like leapfrog. Because I'm telling you, I was just, we expected injury. We expected maybe heat exhaustion. I didn't expect being completely depleted like halfway through. That was not an expectation of mine, only because I've done them before. And I've done a full marathon before. And that didn't hit me to like mile 20. And that hit me at like mile three, Three? two. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I would just say, um, do your hills Get your endurance, train longer than eight weeks. <laughs>
0: and so what would you guys do differently next time I just now that
2: you have this? I years. would take longer. Well, it's nice that we know what the course is like because we would yeah. do it again. I would do it again? Would you do yeah. it
1: again? We'll do it again. I would like to run more of
0: it and yeah. yeah. cry less. less. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and that... <laughs> I love it. That's, uh, crying uh, was after.
0: <laughs> so you guys would do it again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys yeah. were a little yeah. hesitant in that.
1: Well... Yes the okay. the when we're done Within with it we're like what in the heck training yes but i think we would do it again all right um, well
2: because like you challenge yourself when something's really really hard yeah. as a crazy runner you want to do it again until it's not so hard and we started looking at the
1: Wall of China after that. And they, were, they were just,
0: <laughs> they were going big. And initially they were like, we're never doing it again. Like, we it's couldn't do happened.
1: Catalina. We can yeah. do the Wall of China. Wall of China, no big
0: so. deal. All right, well, thank you guys yeah. so much for, yeah. um, I guess, sharing your experience and what that was like. You can just throw those down there that. somewhere. Yeah. We're, so, yeah. Um, the, uh, I just wanted you guys to hear that experience because of how challenging that was and, I'm going to sit there right there. Um, and, and what the, the journey goes through where you go through this kind of like, I'm going to give up kind of phase. And just as I sat with them uh, the day after they got back for lunch, I was just like, you guys are crazy. I don't know how you do that. And they were like kind of iffy on doing it again. But then they were like, but yeah, actually, now I would probably do it different. I would just do a few things differently like training, right? And doing some things where you like start a little earlier and like train on hills instead of flatland and all these different things. And I was like, oh, okay. So like you start to learn through that process of weariness, of challenge, of difficulty. And then you go, okay, yeah, that was brutal. And I'm sure in the middle of it, they were probably like never doing this again. And then suddenly like a few days later, they're like, yeah, actually I would. Right? And how many times have you been there in a place where you've lost hope in life, you have a circumstance that you're in, and you're like, I don't ever want to go through this, and I don't wish this on anybody. And then you've gone through it, and then you look back and go, actually, I wish this on everybody. Everybody should go through this. This is like really shaping my life, and I'm a better person for it. Some of those things you're like, no, 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 never. But um, some things you would say, they definitely helped who you are. They, they shaped your personality. They shaped your ability to persevere. They shaped your understanding of what God can do in your life, maybe. Um, Depends on what you're thinking about right now. But but I believe that a marathon is a great analogy for that. And there's also a sense that I'm sure when they got back, that when you took that sip of water after climbing eight miles, nine miles of hill, that you're like, this is so refreshing, right? And so these two analogies is what I want to carry us through as we read these passages and as we continue to think about When Jesus talks about hope and what Jesus brings in being our hope, um, it's meant to be something that in the midst of challenge, in the midst of difficulty, it's a drink of fresh water, okay? So these are the two analogies I want you to continue to carry with you as you go throughout this week, as you begin to wrestle with what hope is, what godly hope is, and, um, and really begin to see that. There is challenge, there is difficulty, but yes, it shapes us, and yes, God gives us a way through those things. That in this world that's fallen, broken, that has all kinds of, I don't even know like what, how, to, how to describe it in some ways, but uh, things that we don't wish on people, right? That yet, in the middle of those things, God says, I want to give you a way through it, right? And there's things that that exist in our world and there's pain and weariness that exists as a result of other people's brokenness, right? Maybe you've been at the receiving end of other people creating the challenge in your life. Um, what God says is, I can't control those people. I've given you free will. You can choose to do whatever you want the rest of this day, right? Um, you can be hurtful to people. Or you can be loving to people. But what God says is, I want to give you a way through that a way to respond in the midst of those challenges, in the midst of those difficulties, that can bring life. Um, That prayer that we read every week that Matt leads us in is that in centering around Jesus, it brings life. And that by surrendering our lives to him and our, our will to him, that we begin to bring life into the world that we live in, rather than bringing brokenness and destruction, right? And so this idea of water being something that um, brings life, is something that's woven throughout Scripture, and it's something that Jesus uses to begin to paint a picture of what hope looks like. And um, the next picture I want to show you here is a photo that I took while we were in Haiti um, of kids who, in the midst of really challenging, challenging circumstances, um, every single day for them to get water, to have water to drink to survive, they take these yellow canisters and they walk a few miles to either this river that is really dirty, and when that's dried up, they go to this other little fountain that I couldn't find a photo of for some reason, um, where the the spigot only turns on certain times of the day. And so they have to take these yellow jugs, and they go and sit and wait for the spigot to turn on, and when it turns on, you fill as many jugs as you can because you don't know when it's going to turn back on, and then you hike back to where you live. Raise your hand if you had to hike for your water at all today. None of us can relate, right? Um, Raise your hand if you didn't have a meal for the last, I don't know, 24 hours. Nobody. Okay, so the scenario that that they find themselves in, you could say they are weary. There's a challenge, right? But I don't know if you can see it. There's a smile on that kid's face. And many of you would say, and for good reason, he has nothing to smile about, right? That his, his situation, the scenario that he finds himself in, he shouldn't be happy because he doesn't get three meals a day and he has to hike two miles to get his water and bring it back. And it's dirty water. It's not clean water. It's not the stuff that comes out of our faucet that like, we're like, oh, that's still faucet water. I'm going to filter that one because I want clean, really clean water, right? Like we could drink that water. That's not the situation there. But yet there's joy in the midst of it. And yet they've found hope in the midst of it. And I believe that as we begin to look at these these yellow water jugs as a kind of analogy for our journey. And I think it's everybody globally. um, That as you begin to find a source that brings life. You go back to it. And I think that's what happens in who God is. That we begin to look to God And we begin to see that he is the source of life, that we can begin to surrender life to him and begin to see that it brings new life continually. There are times where people can't physically get to the water source and they have to rely on someone else to fill the jug and bring it back to them, right? So when someone is at that place where they're so sick or so ill that they can't get that water, they have to rely on another human being. And I believe that that's another analogy, another picture of the kind of hope that Jesus invites us into. That the hope that if you're saying, well, God doesn't just snap his fingers and suddenly things are great, but what he does do is he invites us all into this participation called the body of Christ, the family of God, where we get to be people who bring fresh water to others. That if maybe you know somebody right now who is not able to, I guess, have the strength to say God is awesome in my life, you get to be somebody who brings fresh water to them, okay? So I'm using these analogies because I want to show you these passages that hopefully will then unpack what it means to have hope in Christ a little clearer. And we'll keep bouncing back to these. So check out John four fourteen. In the message, it's worded beautifully. It's a passage that might be familiar to you. Um, so I chose the message because it says it a little bit differently. Um, but Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an arzen spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. This passage is found in a moment where Jesus sits with a woman at, a, at the well. You may have heard that story. Um, I'm going to give you the very brief Summary of that. And basically, what happens is Jesus encounters this woman who's at the well in the middle of the day because she's basically, I'm going to boil it down really simply, she's been rejected by her community. She is weary. She is in a place where she is feeling emotionally dry. And Jesus sits with her, which would have been counter cultural to that day, Um, it would have been something that rabbis did not do in that day. He went and sat with her. Um, he, she was a Samaritan woman, so she would have been somebody that they wouldn't even associate with. And what he does is he goes and sits and talks to her. And then begins to talk to her in this kind of language about living water. And she's confused. And you might be confused. You might be hearing this passage for the first time and you're going, what do you mean living water? Like, how is it going to be living water? How is Jesus living water in my life right now? But he begins to describe it as this analogy of water because he asks her to pull water because he's thirsty. It's in the middle of the day and they're in the desert. And he begins to speak into her life this truth because she's so broken. Um, she'd been in many broken relationships, Scripture says, and, uh, and she's at a loss. And basically what Jesus does is he brings her this truth about this relationship with God the Father who says, if you have this relationship, there's going to be this living water that's going to flow out of your life continually. It's just going to well up inside you that you're going to have this hope that will never run dry. And he uses the analogy as he's sitting there at the well and he says, this well eventually may not have water. This water that you drink, many of you have Nalgene bottles or you have a bottle that you carry around in your car, you carry with you, it may run dry. But it's refreshing, right? So he uses that analogy of it being so refreshing and so good to say, this is the kind of hope, that you have in Christ. This is the kind of hope you have in who God is and what he wants to do in your life. And so this analogy of water, I believe captures this idea of hope. And when we talk about Advent, when we talk about Jesus coming in flesh and blood here on earth that we celebrate at Christmas, it, the hope that we have is the fact that he wants to bring us this new life, this refreshment to our soul. And you might be saying, okay, like how do I actually get that refreshment? And what he says is there has to be this this interaction, this relationship that starts to unfold, and that that's where you begin to experience it in john one four it says, "The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth, and what he wants to do is invite us into that grace and that truth, and that's what we celebrate in. If you want to say baby Jesus, in Jesus coming flesh and blood, we celebrate the fact that he wants to bring that grace into your life. And the refreshment comes when we begin to live into that, when we begin to have practices that begin to center our lives around becoming more like Jesus, more like him. This word weary shows up in a few passages and Jesus uses it as well. Um, Again, because I think he understands our situation that there's times of great joy in life and there's times of weariness and brokenness, right? Um, And it shows up a lot throughout scripture. Um, And maybe you are sitting here with that exhaustion. Maybe you're sitting here and you can relate to the woman at the well. Um, But the season that we came out of these last two years, I'm sure has created a lot of weariness. Um, People talk about the, the mental Jenga that we constantly have to go through in all of life, the decisions that we make that we used to not have to make, all of that creates a weariness that maybe you're not even aware of, that maybe you're like, I'm just tired, and I don't really know why. I would propose that having all of these decisions that we have to make continually in cultural settings, right, um, in our work, um, not everything is just kind of status quo like it used to be, and having that Mental process continually spinning and continually working creates a weariness, um, a fatigue that happens. And some of you might be like, I'm cool, I just work right through that and you're, you're good with it. But some of you are probably going, yeah, like I feel the weariness, I feel the weight. And, and sometimes things come into my life and I just snap for no reason because of all the weariness and all the decisions that I'm having to make. Um, Jesus speaks into this and he speaks into this in a beautiful way. So here's how this tangibly begins to take place. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and he says, come to me, all you who are weary. You've probably heard this passage. Um, and again, I'm going to use it in a different translation just so you see it. He says, are you tired? He begins to ask some questions as he sits with his, this audience that he's sitting with and his disciples. And he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burnt out on religion? Like maybe this whole process of religion and churchiness like gets old after a while. Um, he says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. So when we talk about a, a sip of fresh water, when we talk about it being new life to, him, uh, to us, this is what he's pointing to. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There's that word grace again, that he's teaching us how to live into Grace. And these are rhythms that we have, ways of living, that we have to begin to step into. And he says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Water is always refreshing. And I think what we forget is that we need to begin to go back to the source where this life comes from. And I know this sounds overly simplistic, but that's where we begin to find our hope. And this hope isn't just, Everything is good and cheery again. It's a hope that even in the midst of weariness, even in the midst of fatigue, challenge, difficulty, hope says God is doing something in the middle of this, either to shape who I am or to help shape others. That we are invited to be part of this community of people who get to bring new life, to bring fresh water to others, right? And so going back to that analogy of the kids who begin to wake up in the morning and hike with jugs on their shoulders to go and get water, I think we need to have that same hunger for God. That we go to the source and we say, I want to go to God and begin to learn from him these unforced unforced rhythms of grace, these unforced rhythms that like shape the way that I live, that begin to nourish my soul, that begin to bring new life. Um, I heard someone recently say that like, reading scripture again. Actually, I'm going to share this. My neighbor, who uh, probably five years ago moved away, um, that we'd been witnessing to and reaching out to continually, was this uh, guy who um, lost his wife two years before we moved in uh, to cancer. Um, And uh, began to witness to him, have him over pizza all the time. And I just saw him in a Fraser Farms parking lot two days ago. And he like did this full, like, pulled over, and was like, Nate, like, called me over to his car. I was like, what are you doing, Randy? Like, this is so cool to see you, and he was like, you'll never believe this. I started reading scripture, and I was like, what? He's like, I started reading my Bible, like, and it's been awesome. Like, it gives me such peace. He's like, I've been reading and it's changed my life, and he's like, I've been listening to this thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called K-Wave, and I was like, yeah, I've heard of it. Like, he's like, it's like, these guys, it's like a radio station that talks about Jesus all the time and I'm like yeah isn't that rad and he's like he's getting into it and he's just loving it I got chills just like thinking about it but like he's been experiencing these unforced rhythms of grace where he like gets into scripture and it's like changing his life and he was like where do you guys get together like I want to come and see that so hopefully he'll come here someday I love to see that he lives here in South Oceanside Um, he takes care of his parents that are elderly Um, and it's just awesome to see how God and the Holy Spirit has been working in his life To transform him. And I think that's like the hope that we have, right? Somebody who could say, There's no hope in this situation. Like things have just gotten worse, right? Lost my spouse, my parents are getting older, having to deal with those things. Like somebody who could easily say, like, all of this stuff, like, there is no God, right? Like this is difficult. These kids, they could easily like be angry about life, but I see so much joy, even in the midst of sorrow and brokenness and challenge and difficulty. And I think that that's the joy, and I don't want to pretend to have it all figured out, but I think that that's the joy that Jesus invites us into that is bigger than our circumstances that says you can have hope in the middle of whatever you're going through right now, that yes, it's difficult, but I've put other people in your life to begin to help you. Other people in your life to begin to speak wisdom and truth and love and begin to help you that when you can't get the water, hopefully they're getting some water for you right? And maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you're the person that needs to go and be getting some water and like throwing an extra jug on your shoulder so that you can help someone else get some water. And so that someone else can hear some hope, right? Um, Because my voice may go here, but your voice may go to a bunch of other people that I can never talk to. And you may have an opportunity to bring new life so that they can have a smile on their face and go, yeah, my situation, it's very difficult, it's challenging, but you know what? so-and-so brought me a jug of water and it's been so refreshing. And now I know like the source of that living water, that truth, that beautiful, beautiful truth that is found in Jesus. And so that's, that's the hope that I, that I want to, I guess, get a hold of and continue to be reminded of. So like, as you guys light the candle this week, begin to think about that. Think about this analogy of the water running a marathon and the challenge, the the difficulty of life that you may be in, or maybe somebody else is running a marathon right now and they're at like mile eight and they're about to give up and turn back. But they only have like a quarter mile to go and then they're going to go downhill and it's going to get a lot better and it's going to change. The situation's going to be different, right? Um, there's something good about that. Something good about seeing the big picture and knowing that, that Jesus is at work and that he wants to work through us, that you get to be the people that, that represent that love that God wants to, pour out on people around you. So um, I guess what I want to do is, I guess, call us to a couple action steps um, that as we go into the season where we have this guide that we center life around, um, I would just say, let's go to that source of fresh water. Um, I really want to open this right now and take a drink, but I only have one hand. Um, But uh, these action steps are that sip of fresh water, okay? Um, The first thing I would say very simply, like if you're like, that's a lot to do, or I don't want to add anything to my schedule, just light a candle. Like light a candle this week and begin to think about hope. Wrestle with it. I think the Holy Spirit will do something the same way it did in Randy's life, and I didn't have to be there for all of it. I got to trust that God's doing something, right? Um, he's going to do something in your life as well. And maybe it's, maybe you're lighting that candle continually for someone else as well. Um, and then the second thing I would say is like, read those scripture passages, begin to see how those passages shape your idea of hope and shape your idea of this season with Advent and who God is. And then the third part of it is do that challenge. Like if you're going to go full tilt, you're like, I'm going, I'm running this marathon, I'm going big, um, do the challenge. The challenge that's in there, I'm not going to give them to you. The, I'll just give you a hint that this week is all about um, simplicity. And so if there's a few questions in there that'll like call you to some simplicity, because this is a season where we load up a lot of extra stuff, or we feel like we have to do a lot of extra stuff. And, um, and then we lose hope, and we lose the, the meaning of really what God is trying to do and teach us in the middle of this. And so, um, if you really want to go intense, like pull up those questions. And the one that I want to just leave with you right now that hopefully challenges us as we have our a little five-minute greeting um, is what's one small way that you can simplify your daily life right now? Maybe it's just starting to light this candle at dinner time. I don't know. Maybe it's removing um, some pattern that you have throughout the day that just isn't life-giving. I would just invite you to begin to think about that. Like, what what's one small thing that you can do to simplify your life? Um, because I think. I think that can be a challenge for us um, to allow God to speak into our lives. We have to have a little bit of that simplicity and a little bit of space for him to speak in. Um, So if you want to stay in your seat, um, you're welcome to stay. Matt will play a little bit. Um, Stay and sit and reflect if you want to do that and reflect on that question. Um, But if you'd like to get up and meet somebody, uh, just head to the back. If you want to grab some coffee, um, chat about lunch, whatever you want to do, um, ask somebody this question. Go for it. Uh, but I'm going to close in prayer. And I would also say, grab one of those boxes on your way out. Make sure you grab one, okay? Don't ignore it. It doesn't cost anything. You have to do it. It's mandatory. Just kidding. Um, but take a box with you. And um, and if you want, you can take a box for somebody else. If you know somebody that would really appreciate it, take the box and then show them the link to where to find the, the guy. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for this reminder and the fact that you are our hope and that we can center around you. And so, Lord, help us to simplify life, to begin to hear uh, the truths, the grace that you long to pour out in us, um, and that you long to work in and through us towards others. So, um, yeah, we just want to center around you, Jesus, and continue in this season to learn more about these truths that transform life, that give us that sip of fresh water that um, just is never-ending. And so refresh our souls, and I pray for everybody in here that as we leave this place, that we would be uh, renewed by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen.